We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency. We host bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. If you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, you're definitely missing out. I share daily high impact marketing tips, plus post every single uh, guest an episode of Social Capital. Uh, speaking of guests, today's guest is Jeff Venn. He is a life architect, owner of Create Web Studios and mentor to young entrepreneurs. Many people will tell you where to go, what to do and how to live, but there's a higher path and calling inside of you that only you can unearth. It's time to stop living by other people's scripts and expectations for your life and have your own awakening. Jeff, welcome to the show. Lori, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about your marketing agency. How did you get started? Sure. So I follow that pretty typical entrepreneurial dream. You know, if you're like me, you kind of like go to school, perhaps your parents tell you to go to college or they want to like push you to, you know, get some stable job somewhere as, as in my case, their generation did. And so I did all that and I, I had a good run. I went to, you know, here in Jacksonville, Florida to the University of North Florida, got my computer science degree and quickly here in Jacksonville, Florida launched out into corporate. And so in my early twenties, found myself working at a large municipality. So electric water, wastewater, and there's about 2000 people there, 200 person IT shop. And, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was great camaraderie, typical like pension plan, if you could believe it, you know, work there for 32 years, get 80% of your salary for life kind of thing. But I don't know, I, I, I rose to the top there in leadership, you know, to the top seven, eight people, um, got an interim director position. And just, I remember I had this epiphany one day, I was in this old, like, civil service looking wood panel building well maintained but from like the 60s and you know i just looked across the table and this awesome colleague richard was there and he was about seven years out from retirement and he just made a marginal um amount of money more than me and i was just like dude i gotta do this for like 25 more years day after day you know do this 45 minute commute um 45 minutes back you know i lived at the beach driving all the way downtown and yeah, I just realized it wasn't for me. So I had a computer science degree. I'm minor in graphic design. I'm a musician, so I had all this creativity. And at that time in 2005, websites were really starting to pop and they were kind of hard to build. So I started moonlighting on the side, wife, one kid, and you know, I hatched this little six month plan in 2005. And I was like, if I can get a certain amount of income lined up, you know, build out these websites, I'll just give it a go for a year. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, I'll just hop back into corporate. So boom, that independence, autonomy, that entrepreneurial dream, that's how I founded the agency back in 2005, wearing every single hat. Love it. Um, so how did you set it up so that the, your, um, the business is just kind of running without your day-to-day involvement? Yeah, so over time, and it, it's taken a while, this is 2005, so 16 years ago at the time of this recording, um, I just 
slowly fired myself from positions. And for <laughs> two reasons, some stuff I was never good at. I was pretty sloppy at the invoicing and collecting. Obviously, I ultimately did it, but you can really get that stuff on a machine and not have problems there. So that was an example of something that as soon as I could get like the CPA help or like the accounting um, accounts receivable help I did. But then other things just like logically made sense. So I was going out on my own and I sold like five websites and say a site at the time took me 40 hours to code. Well, that's 200 hours just for the coding part of the site. So at that point, I really couldn't go land any more business or like literally have to go heads down. So I just saw certain stuff I had mastered. and I was good at it. It was time for someone else to do it. So slowly but surely, you know, outsource stuff. Coding is pretty technical, so you can outsource it and not have to worry about the language barrier. And then finally, I got it to the point today where, you know, like I love sales, I love selling, but Stephanie Gira from her team and Jess do an awesome job at it. So when leads come in, they do it. So just slowly fired myself and changed my position and got to go into more of a leadership role and like giving back and helping others and doing some mentoring. So that's been the progression. You know, fire yourself from things that you've mastered give someone else the opportunity and things that you're never good at, get those off your plate as soon as possible. 100%. I'm all for letting people that do those tedious tasks way better than I do to, to take them over and, and run with it. Um, you know, it, you service a lot of uh, the small business. So what is the biggest marketing mistakes that you see small businesses making? Yeah. So I'll just take, we do quite a bit in the medical industry, um, so like an orthopedic practice or a hospital, things like that. And then also like service-based businesses. We work with this beautiful, you know, $5 million a year high-end landscaping company. And what I find is business owners or the medical marketing directors or doctors, a lot of times they don't take into account like everything that goes into your online presence. So a lot of times we might focus on like redesigning the site. Or we might be like, I want to show up for like, you know, spine pain relief doctor or like something like that, back pain doctor near me. And so we'll like launch a Google AdWords campaign and focus just on that. And all those things are good and great. Like website should be up to par. Google text ads, Google AdWords can be a good route to go. But a lot of times the practice center doesn't take into account all the various ways that their practice may be found. Um, let's just say it's Jack's for Jacksonville, jackspineandpain.com. Well, as a prospective patient or someone doing research, having been referred to them, I'm most likely not going to type in that domain name, right? So I'm going to Google like Jacksonville Spine and Pain Center, maybe some variant of the doctor's name. And then that Google search results page is going to return. And that's where it gets interesting. There's the maps listings and there might be multiple locations for a bigger medical center. And there's the reviews there. There's health grades where the doctors are listed. There's social media that comes up for them. So all these are potential avenues for your customers to find you. And I find a lot of times businesses, you know, they'll really focus on trying to hit a home run with one area and not take into account the whole journey and having each of those pieces at least buttoned up or aware to some degree, like for doctors, like reviews are super important. And a lot of times in spine and pain, perhaps it's a more um, elderly population. So usability on the side, like load times, can they find the info? So uh, that's kind of how we like to guide people, take a comprehensive look at their online presence. Because a lot of times they think, oh, we're just going to start posting on social and it's going to fix everything. Or, oh, we just need to get some better reviews and we're done. And it doesn't work like that. No marketing works like that, frankly. <laughs> yeah. you And it, you, you were talking before we started the record button about the cohesive plan and really having, you know, you have to look at the big picture, not just, you know, one or two avenues. It, it's, you got to have 
um, a global plan that's really connecting all the dots, all the channels, all the messaging, you know, uh, traditional and digital, um, even how you answer the phone, you know, little things like that have a big impact on whether or not someone's actually going to engage you and, and do business with you. For sure. So many avenues to look at. Um, all right. This is a really good time to take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Jeff, my goal is to alleviate any fears that people have, any uncertainty or hesitation when it comes to networking. So can you help me do that by sharing with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? For sure. And it's actually going on right now. So I, last fall, so fall of 2020, I started um, guesting on podcasts. I've been interested (laughs) in that. Um, I had some time to, to give back and talk about entrepreneurship, mentoring, marketing. And so randomly I stumbled in this community and they're at podmax.co. Um, and Podmax, you know, hosted this uh, virtual all day event, never been to a virtual event, had like 50 or 60 people in it. And as part of attending Podmax, you get to guest on three podcasts. So I find that the podcasting community, even what we're doing right now, Lori, is really open-minded. Everybody's out to help each other. It's not competitive. Uh, you and I both run digital agencies, but the chances of us like stumbling on the same client and like pitching to the same people are almost like slim to none. So mm-hmm. I find that um, A, being a guest on podcasts, or in our case, we started our own and we are 20 episodes in right now. It's just been a wonderful way to connect with people, have conversations that we're already having, kind of like you and I would talk about this if we weren't on a podcast, but being on a podcast really like forces us to say it in a way that would be useful to the masses and be useful to like your audience here. So I love podcasts for networking. I've gotten the most value out of that. Um, I put one second one on there with the pandemic and people being so comfortable on Zoom. Having those virtual one-to-ones has been really cool. Um, People, you know, at times have been isolated or you've always gone to like some physical conference and all the rigmarole doing that. And I find that getting a nice home office set up and getting the lighting good and virtual coffees have been really fun. So those are two things I've been knocking out a lot during the last six months and really meeting some really cool people. I love that. And I agree hundred percent with um, being on the podcast is super fun. I definitely do more of the hosting than guesting, but I, I've definitely been a guest on a number of shows and it's a, it's a ton of fun to, to have a different conversation and meet someone new. And um, yeah, the Zoom one-on-ones, uh, I hope, you know, the world uh, is still accepting of that, even though we are uh, able to meet in person, hopefully soon <laughs> one day. Um, yeah, that, that's great for sure. So as you've continued to meet all of these people, you know, virtually and in person, how do you stay in front of and best nurture these relationships? Yeah, for sure. So that's something we're figuring out now. So previously to this, I wasn't active on social media, didn't really have a reason to be, but as I wanted to get um, at at the time when I first went out that message on mentoring out there, I realized um, the power of social media. And that's so funny, but I didn't have any need to like 
build a personal brand or do anything like that. And as part of this experience I did, I launched jeffvin.com. It's J-E-F-F, and Victory, E-N-N.com. And I really honed in like what I was about with entrepreneurship, with marketing, with mentoring. And out of that, I, you know, got on social. And for me, I found that Facebook, you know, for business purposes, I actually created a new account and LinkedIn have been awesome. So as I've guested on these podcasts, uh, many times the guest or the host will produce a little video snippet, take out a high point, do a bunch of tagging. And when we have guests on there, we do the same. So we'll get this uh, little video snippet going that pulls out the high point of their interview, tag them up, mention their thing that's going on. And a lot of times they'll reshare it on that network. So it's been really cool as we've um, met various guests, uh, other marketing agency owners, um, people, ours is about um, growing your business. So that could be with marketing sales or like better use of finances. So uh, you and I um, both know Rocky uh, Lalwani mm-hmm. will profit first in finance. So it's really cool to bring out these stories and see them shared out on their network and um, us tag them. So the social has been pretty powerful for that. Um, and certain people we connect with well and have kind of stayed in touch with and done coffees. And then lastly, the email newsletter is still relevant in my opinion. Um, hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> yeah. So I almost recommend like every business because a business has like stakeholders or friends and family. They have customers, they have prospective customers, they have like vendors. There's so many people out there that just even like getting a monthly email newsletter out. Um, people have loved like the behind the scenes stuff or, Hey, we launched a podcast and we have a highly curated list of about 500 people um, that's comprised of active clients and like partners of ours. And so the little drops in the bucket, the social, having them a guest on the podcast and the email marketing has been a great way to stay in touch digitally. So that's how we've done it. Love it. I think that's a fantastic way to nurture. I mean, you're doing all the right things and um, I'm glad you mentioned the email. It's actually something I posted about on my LinkedIn today is that I think it's often one of the most overlooked uh, marketing tactics, yet it's it's one of the most effective marketing tactics is is email. And I think it's because people just have a love-hate relationship with their inbox. At least I know I do. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up. It's funny with some of the data with uh, the email that I've seen. So like I said, close to 500. So on our strategic partners, so that'd be someone like you, Lori, or mm-hmm. Rocky, the profit first uh, gentleman we just mentioned, like I'll see open rates of like 60% and I'll always get a handful of responses on those 180. So, and then when it goes to the bigger list, 500 people will have 30, 40% open rate. And we try to keep it short and sweet. Not a lot of graphics, not a lot of tooting our own horn. And it's just surprising. Whereas on social media, say I have like over 500 connections on LinkedIn, unless I'm boosting that or tagging someone, like a lot of my network's not going to see it. So I found that the email marketing, if I can send it to 500 people and at least, um, you know, two or 300 of them, like read the headline. That's pretty rad. I, I think that's great. And, and I a hundred percent agree with that. So what advice would you offer that professional who's really looking to grow their network? Yeah. Find something that works for you that you can sustain. So it's funny, um, having launched our own podcast a couple months ago, three months ago, and determining like what networks to get on. Should I do Instagram? You know, is Twitter still relevant? It's whatever creates the least friction. So do that. So if you like like to write, write. Get it out there in an email newsletter. Get it out there on a blog. Um, get it out there in social media and have it be more written and verbal. Um, if you like to connect with people like I do, I'll do like a live with Jeff and I'll get people on a little like five minute live Q&A on my Facebook page. I did like this 45 day go live challenge 
or I will, you know, our podcast actually broadcast live out to Facebook. So for me, I love connecting with other people. I love sharing their stories. I love the energy that comes from doing it live and others. So for me, that's the most frictionless way. Like having that podcast live and knowing that it's Friday at 12 just excites me and get me going where someone really might like writing. And so there's still a place for blogs. There's still a place for email newsletter. Lori, if you're like me, like the consistency is the main thing. So the thing that causes the least amount of friction, do that thing and do it for a long while before you change it. I love that. I think that's, that's actually the right way that that's exactly what I've did. I mean, I, people have asked, you know, why did you start a podcast? And, and you know, as well as I do, you need some sort of thought leadership when you're running a business to just really um, position yourself and, and create awareness about you, your brand, your business. And I tried video, I tried blogging and, and really it's just, I love those, but it's really hard to maintain consistency with it. And I found that um, podcasting was the, the best channel for me. It doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, what works for everyone else, but it's just, that's what I found worked best for me. For sure. And I think if you test the waters, you'll be surprised with the results. Like our open rates on the email are pretty good, you know, cause we don't have like 10,000 people with like, say, I don't know, a 5% open rate. So it's really encouraging. And like, I sent the one of, we launched a podcast out and literally six people from our main list wanted to like guest on it. And some of them were appropriate. So it's surprising that once you like get something out there, like the response you'll get, it's, it usually tickles you and kind of tells you where to go next. Totally. So if here's a fun one, if you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Yeah. So you know, launching that agency in my late twenties, if I could do one thing differently, I probably, you know, I was technical, right? I had a computer science degree, so I could code the website. I had a graphic design minor. I enjoyed the design, but you know, you can make yourself a glorified job. So I kind of moved at a pretty slow pace, kind of delegating and getting stuff off my plate. And I've had a lot of pleasure in building out the team and the leadership aspect of it. So I would tell my younger self like, hey, move a little faster for getting some stuff off your plate. Like I realized for these first few years, you like love coding the sites, but like think big picture, like give someone else an opportunity, like, you know, build a team together. A lot of times I like had remote workers and just kind of like stayed in a little box. And it's a lot more rewarding for me at least to connect with others. So I'd say, Jeff, uh, get out of the shell, uh, delegate more quickly, build that team out more quickly and you'll have a greater life satisfaction. I think that's that's great uh, input, and I can totally relate in that. When I started, I was the one that wanted to do everything, and I realized, you know, like we talked about earlier, let someone else um, have the opportunity and let them learn and, and let them shine, too, in the areas that, that they really excel at. Yeah, take that finance one, for example. Like, I love doing financial forecasts and things like that and knowing what's up, obviously, as a business owner, P&Ls and all that, but the details of the A&R having signed credit card agreements versus cutting checks. People are really passionate about that. And as a creative, I wasn't. So that's an example where if I would have like got some coaching or consulting, or as we eventually did brought someone on, like that area would have been so much smoother. And as a business owner, like, you know, sales are first, but collecting is second. So those two pieces are super important. So that's an example where I was just a little short-sighted and there was a lot of benefit right on the other side of the table. Totally love that. Um, all right, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. What is something you'd like to ask me? Yeah, so um, we've talked a bit and met a couple times offline. How do you like doing the webinars and how many have you done? <laughs> the webinars are a ton of fun. 
Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of information we're pushing out there and we've been doing one every other week, basically since, uh, things shut down in March, 2020. Um, we started out doing one a week and that was a little intense. So then we switched to every other week and now we're, um, yeah, we, we provide a ton of high value content and we've got a good steady, um, uh, attendees, I'd say. And it's a really good way. It's another way for us to get our message out there and showcase our expertise and, and be a resource to the community. Yeah, that's right. I'm inspired by that because we, we've done the podcast and are continuing to do that well. So webinars and like tackling uh, specific topics of expertise sounds interesting. What software tool do you recommend for running a webinar? We're just using Zoom. We are using Zoom webinar, which is a different level of the package. And that's basically people can log on, um, but then you don't see each other. But I've seen, I've been a part of a number of webinars where um, it's just, you know, you got 50 people in the room and someone's sharing their screen. The only thing is then you have to worry about, you know, someone turning their microphone off and whatnot. So (laughs) there's challenges with that. Zoom webinar is it. And then obviously you, you publish it out and have it for later consumption as well. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. All of our webinars are on on YouTube. Um, and if you've attended one, you basically have access to attend, um, watch any of them. Yeah, it was a bummer. So I was scheduled on the last one, but I messed up the time zone. So I literally popped on. It was like this meeting has ended. I'm like, what the heck? It's right now. Sure enough. <laughs> well, there's another one coming up soon. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be on one later this summer. Watch out. You are. You are. You're going to be joining in to talk about web, web dev website design and development. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, so I'll give them two sites. Um, one to get a bigger picture of what I do with the agency mentoring and life architecture is jeffvin.com. That's J-E-F-F, V is in victory, E-N-N.com, like the Venn diagrams we learned about in math. So jeffvin.com. And then I love our digital agency here in beautiful Jacksonville Beach, Florida, that's at createwebstudios.com. So you can go to createwebstudios.com, check out some of our work, uh, meet our team, and go from there. Cool. We will include all the information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, Lori, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and having this uh, cool agency-to-agency relationship. So grateful for you and glad to be a guest on your podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time to connect with us. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Again, reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look for Lori Hybe and uh, just mention that you listen to the show and you know, feel free to ask any questions you've got. Uh, we will see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.